This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay, and today I'm joined with Nicholas, the director of marketing from Wayflyer, a company that offers revenue-based financing for e-commerce brands. So glad to have you, Nicholas. We're excited to talk a little bit about e-commerce founders and Wayflyer. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about Wayflyer and a little bit more about yourself before we jump in? Sure. No, thank you for having me. I'm a, I'm a big fan, so I'm, I'm very happy to be here. So, so let me start a bit with, with myself. Uh, I'm the director of marketing at Wayflyer, as you said. I've been in the company since the start of the year. Um, before that, I have a background in, in SaaS, especially B2B. So it, it's, um, I started as an outsider to e-commerce, but it's been great being in the industry you know, so far, these four or five months that I've, I've been in it. I've learned a lot. And um, what Wayflyer does, Wayflyer was spun out last year out of a data analytics company. Uh, they were consultants. They work with e-commerces making 50 million to 100 million a year. And uh, the the what what Conjura, which is this this consulting company, did is they went into a company and helped them make sense of the, of their data. And what they quickly realized is that every uh, e-commerce below that stage, below that fifty to hundred million stage, needed help with two main things. One is making sense of that data with, without having to pay for expensing expensive analytics software or going to a consulting company. And then the second one is they needed help with funding their their operation. The I guess incumbent methods of funding aren't great tactically for e-commerces. VCs will take a chunk of your of your business before you scale up, which is not ideal because they'll give you a smaller valuation that you really deserve. And in many cases, they're not that interested in individual e-commerce brands. They would much rather go for an e-commerce SaaS company, Clavio, a a big commerce, one of these that serves e-commerce founders. And then the other option is regular debt, which many companies just cannot access. I mean, uh, when when you look at 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 your average um, e-commerce company under, let's say, 5 million a year, many of them don't have a real relationship with their bank. They wouldn't be eligible for for loans anyway and if they if they were they would be prohibitively expensive so what we end up seeing is we end up seeing a lot of e-commerce founders putting debt on their personal credit cards to fund their brands because it's really the only option you have early on and we just wanted to come up with something better and i think we did that's awesome that's great thanks for sharing a little bit more about wayfire so Let's dive in. I know we want to talk a little bit about marketing tactics for founders as well, because that's what you guys do as well as, you know, help these companies grow and scale. Uh, But let's talk a little bit more about the financing piece first, because I'd love to get some more information about that. I saw you guys do a revenue based financing approach. Uh, Could you go maybe a little bit more in depth about what that exactly means? Absolutely. So that's the vehicle we use to fund uh, e-commerce brands so the way it works is we will give you a a, what we call a cash advance for let's say 100 grand and there will be a fee attached to that for let's say five grand 
So in total, the, the repayment will be 105 grand. And then until that is repaid, we may take a small percentage of your daily sales, let's say 10% out of, directly out of your, your Shopify account. So um, it, it is a painless way of funding your brand and then deploying, and then you can deploy those, those 100 grand or whatever it is that, that you took from us, you can deploy it to your advertising or your inventory or whatever else you, you need to, to fund at that specific moment. Awesome. So talking a little bit more about this financing piece, I guess you guys are have worked with a lot of different brands, so you're pretty ingrained in the space at this point. When do you think companies should start looking out for financing? Like at what stage in their life cycle should they be looking to receive funding or kind of help grow and scale their business? Like what's that key identifier that you feel is that's the point when it's time to really start th- turning things on? Let me start by saying where you when you shouldn't get financing. I think if you're very early, I think if you're if you've made less than 100 grand this year, you probably shouldn't look at it yet. There's a lot of validation uh, that you can do on your brand and your product and in your in your target audience before you get yourself into into going for funding. I think for companies that are doing 15 to 20 grand a month for a couple months straight, that is sort of the pace that we like uh, brands being at before they they engage us. Just because that seems to be the point of fastest acceleration for brands. And that coincides with the point where we can add the most value. As I said before, we we came out of a data analytics uh, company, and that is our edge. The fact that we can have a look at your Shopify, have a look at your Google Analytics, have a look at, uh, at your Google Ads, your Facebook Ads. And we can use not only what we know as data data analytics and and marketing professionals, but also cross-reference all of that together with what we've learned from the other brands that we're we're working with to give you the best advice possible. But for that, we need the right amount of data on your end. And I feel like at that 15 to 20K a month range, uh, we we can do that at our our fullest. So I I feel like that, that is when you should start looking for funding. And then what we are seeing uh, our our top customers do is is use funding throughout the year. So what they'll do is they'll use um, revenue-based financing to increase their budgets, not only for Black Friday or Christmas or whatever their peak season is, but throughout the year. Because when you think about the way that the gross margin performs for an e-commerce brand it's sort of and and let me see if i can explain this correctly because it may be hard to visualize uh from a podcast but it's sort of like a like an inverse bell curve your first customer you're making a lot of money out of that customer and then as you progress down the belt the the inverted bell curve you get to a point where customer n will not add anything to your profits that is when you should you should stop investing in marketing and, and, and growing your sales. Um, but what we see is the, the the most of the brands that come in and talk to us are so far away from that point that they could benefit from doubling, tripling their marketing budget today. So uh, it's very rare when we see a company that is, is very close to sort of peak profits. 
so anytime before that, you know, I, I think using debt to cut on your gross margins a bit, but in, in exchange access twice, three times the customers, I think, I think that makes perfect sense. Right. Thanks for sharing that. So I know you were talking about marketing over there, and I think this is the perfect segue into talking a little bit more about marketing. Let's talk about some of the marketing tactics um, that you would suggest or Wayfire would suggest to e-commerce and maybe direct-to-consumer brands on where to spend their dollars once they have them in marketing. For sure. I mean, I think the e-commerce, um, especially D2C, it, spend is widely dominated by Facebook and and I still I am still extremely bullish on Facebook and Instagram as channels on which you can start to build a business but I think the keyword there is start I think it, brands in order to be successful are going to have to find these second third and fourth channels that are going to carry a bit of the load um, we don't see very Facebook or very Instagram uh, dependent businesses scale fast once they reach a certain point. Um, and, and, you know, we can talk about where the point is. But um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is you should be looking at diversifying into other channels, whether that's influencers, whether that's something like TikTok whether that's, you know, Google Shopping or, or, or something else that may be working for you. Uh, I'm a big fan of content marketing for e-commerce brands. They should be looking at those channels. And uh, our best performers are, and obviously what we fund is their performance marketing. We fund their Facebook ads and their Google ads and, and, and things like that. But our best uh, performers are the ones that also have a strong CRM component to what they do. So they're very strong in email and they, they're very strong on SMS. And, and, and that sort of pushes their, not only their LTV, but also pushes their CACs down because they're able to acquire in multiple ways, not just from first purchase. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense over there. So I think there's two things that I thought were really interesting that you were mentioning. Uh, the first piece being... Uh, the content marketing piece and the second piece being the the email and the SMS piece. So maybe we can break them down a little bit more. Um, I think content marketing is such a interesting thing. It always feels, and you know, uh, me being, we're obviously as trend, we sell directly to brands. That's kind of our audience. Um, so it's business to business and content marketing is obviously huge there. And I know you have a B2B background as well. So I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, how can how do you think brands can leverage content marketing, which feels like a very B two B thing for B two C? Yeah, you know one one thing that I'm I'm, I'm starting the the more I spend on on this side of the 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 I guess corporate spectrum, I, I I understand more and more that brands that brand matters more and more versus what I thought before, which was a tactics first and. I guess with e-commerce, there's this tendency, especially early on, to think about just the funnel, right? So you're gonna you're gonna pay Facebook this much for this many clicks, and that's gonna mean this many conversions. And the only way to improve is decrease your cost basis at the top or increase increase your conversion rate at the middle, right? And, and as marketers, it's very easy to fall into that 
category of technical marketing. I know that that was me three years ago, over obsessing with those things. But but what you start to realize is that sometimes the best way to improve your, your performance metric is doing things that don't directly impact them. And and, and content marketing is is one of these things that, that you have to, to start doing and it, it really doesn't pay off. There is SEO impacts, there is obviously your traffic will go up because you're you're accessing uh, new search traffic that you just didn't have access to before. But I think content marketing does a great job just, just having a blog or having a video series, series of, of um, displaying your products in action. Um, that may be a video, that may be a, a tutorial, that's still content marketing. It doesn't have to be your blog. And then it gives you additional real estate to show different use cases for your product and, and, and show different situations and different uh, audiences that your a product may cater to. So it does it does a great job of, of sort of certifying. Plus it, it adds it adds value to your brand because um depending on there there are many in e-commerce, you know, there are many under you know $30 AOV type products where they're very they're the their attraction is is based on um you know, flash purchases, right? So, so um, it's urgency, it's, it's quick purchases, but there, there's a lot of other uh, things that, that require where a buyer would compare and contrast a lot more, right? And, and for those particularly, I'm talking high LTV or high AOV type products, I think content marketing can do a great job of offering additional content um, for buyers that may not directly be ready to purchase right then and there you know they'll go to google they'll they'll google your brand and hopefully what they'll see is you know not only your homepage and your product page but also um your blog and other other things that you've written or other people have written about your product yeah definitely i know content marketing b2b and b2c are kind of stealing from each other a little bit now with the way that it's so easy to access information uh, and make learnings from each other. But I think the gap is closing a lot. You know, the way I think about doing my B2B marketing is, is it looks a lot more like a classic B2C playbook than, than it did maybe a couple of years ago. And, and, and if you look at a lot, a, a lot of these um, new age SaaS, company, SaaS companies, they look, if you look at Privy, for example, um, what, what DG is doing there is an old school D2C playbook. Um, to, to, and I guess that that's for, for the nerdy marketers like myself, but, um, that, you know, there, there's no way preview would have been marketed like that 10 years ago. And, and, and sort of the D2C fication of B2B, uh, is something I really appreciate. Yeah. And I definitely see it being stolen the other way as well. And I think there's a lot a value in taking from there just because, you know, if you're in B2B and obviously this podcast, we have a lot more B2C audience, but if you're in B2B, the tactics that are being used for B2C aren't really, they haven't really been used very much. So there's a lot of, you know, the bar is very low. It's easy to kind of jump in there and really take some space. And the same thing for B2C, you know, taking things from B2B, right? Um, if you're B2C, content marketing, really not traditionally something that's been leveraged as much. So there's really 
low, low stakes, low risk. Um, the bar is very low for you to kind of jump in and take, take some of these things and maybe make them your own channels and really start to dominate the way that B2B companies originally did when these things came out. But I want to talk a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let me add one thing there. Um, there, there, there are services out there and, and, and I like what you said, said about the, the stakes being sort of low. If you start a, a content marketing strategy, my ethos on it is always try to do your, your best efforts. If you're an e-commerce founder and want to make a commitment to content marketing, commit to it. Otherwise it's going to be very hard to, um, to get, to see results from it. But there are services out there that can that can really help you. Uh, one I like is Matcha. I think their website is getmatcha, like the T.com. Um, and, and if you go in there, what their product is all about is creating content that you can bring directly into your Shopify blog. Uh, I saw it a couple of weeks ago, and I think that's that that may be a great way for people to get started and, and improve their content marketing strategy for their e-commerce brand. But just like that, there are some that will help you with video. There are some that will help you with, you know, starting your own podcast. If, if that's something that is of, of interest to you. Yeah. Essentially make your, make your content marketing strategy a lot, a lot easier than it may have been a couple of years ago. For sure. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes as well. So talking a little bit more about, I know we covered content marketing. You said another big thing was email marketing and SMS, uh, what, what is your opinion on what's kind of like the best way um, of approaching that as an e-commerce and direct-to-consumer brands? Or are there any recommendations that you have that might be different from what we're traditionally seeing in the market? Well, I think, I think there's, a, um, there, there's two things with, with email that I see companies at 500,000 a year do wrong and at 50 million a year do wrong. One is audience segmentation. Um, for, for some reason, we or, or, or marketers just don't pay it enough attention to past purchases as a or, or, or past behavior as a starting point for their email marketing strategy. There are a lot of easy wins that you can just by having something like Clavio or or. or um, some other way for you to be able to see OmniConvert has a new product for it that essentially helps you map out the um, sort of purchasing behavior of each specific customer and then pulls them into groups that you can use as personas to define your email marketing or SMS or whatever strategy. So I really, I really like that. But understanding where customers are and what what customers are willing to react to that's something that is really going to help you come up with the right creative for for your campaigns so if someone hasn't bought from you in a year you know chances are they won't read your next email if someone buys from you every six weeks um but they've stopped doing it you know that's a specific email that you have to send if um, someone has recently started buying from you after taking a break. That that's an interesting thing. Uh, if someone is, you know, a top hundred customer for you, one of your whales, you know, that's a completely different mar- email marketing strategy that you have to follow. That that's on the audience segmentation and cadence side. But the number one thing that brands should be getting better at is copywriting their emails. And it's never about the graphics. It's not. A, it's never about how perfect it looks. It's not. It's never about 
you know, just the, the, the things that a marketer would think about. It's, it's about simple for me, it's about simplicity and, and, and closeness to your, to your, um, to your customers. Uh, a brand I really like that does email very well is Rewind. Uh, they do nutritional bars and other, you know, uh, vitamin related nutritional stuff. And uh, I get an email from the founder every day uh, or every couple of days. And it, it's, it's always a story, right? It's always a, a story of the founder's discovery process and, and how they got into thinking in, the, in his mind that the product that he's pitching to me today will make sense for me. And um, I, I don't want to say that I, I, I buy after every email, but most emails really resonate with me, um, which is which is a big win. And then then I'll buy from them often. But it starts with them telling a telling a story that is compelling and that resonates with me. And I'm sure that they know why it resonates with me and they tackle those things directly. Another great thing that they do is they they don't talk as a founder or anything else. They talk as a they they don't talk as a brand. They talk as the founder or whoever is actually writing to me. Um, so there there's a level of personalization and a level of just storytelling that is is very compelling and, and that you know it, it's very natural. If I'm if if I'm talking to you, Jay, and I'm recommending you a product, it doesn't sound like a marketing email, does it? No. Yeah, I totally agree there. So yeah. So why why would um why would brands try to send you an email that sounds like a marketer wrote it uh with a discount code at the bottom um that that doesn't convert as well as you giving me a recommendation or vice versa which is what email marketing and sms sms is is even it goes even deeper because there there's more urgency you know you have less characters and and you don't have images to support uh, yourself and and things like that so you have to be very relevant very quickly and the top brands that I'm seeing that have very high LTVs that that sell, you know, many times packaged goods with with um, high uh, levels of repeat purchases, uh, they, they're masters of email. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and just kind of having more of that that relationship approach instead of just like, here's our standard email that everyone else's email looks like as well. Like all the brands are sending the same thing. So that makes a lot of sense. Dear valued customer. Yeah. Through these uncertain times. How many times have you read that? Yeah. Uh, one, one too many times, I think. But yeah, I definitely agree What's with you What's the fastest there. way to get me to stop reading? Yeah. I agree with you there. I think there needs to be a lot more innovation in that aspect. And thanks for mentioning that brand as well. We'll link to that as well so people can check out and maybe join their email list and see what those emails are all about. One other thing, you know, we're slowly coming up on time over here, but one other thing I want to mention and I think would be helpful for our audience as well, since, you know, Wayflyer does deal with so many e-commerce and direct-to-consumer brands, what are some of the challenges that you see from these brands, like common challenges that they need to overcome to be successful? Well, to be honest, for, for some of our, our biggest winners, the, the, the biggest challenge is keeping up with demand. All of a sudden, you know, their, their growth went parabolic. And, uh, you know, COVID has been a, a terrible trend for the world, but it, it's, it's been mostly positive for most e-commerce brands. The supply chain got up, you know, up and moving pretty quickly. And demand has just skyrocketed for most categories. Even we're seeing, you know, travel brands starting to to pick up, um, which, you know, would be the last thing that we thought would recover and it's recovering quite well. 
uh, just because founders have been have learned to get tactical with whatever they um, they it is that they sell and uh, to to maintain demand. So uh, it, it's been a, a a net positive for the e-commerce industry. But the challenge is is keeping up with that, scaling your your supply chain, making an order that may have been you know three times what your last order was to your to your suppliers, and then knowing how to scale your marketing without your CPA growing. So it, that, that's, a, that's a common thing. And it happens to, uh, you obviously, in your job, you use Facebook ads. I use Facebook ads probably for a different purpose than most e-commerce brands. But the quickest way to make your CPA skyrocket, and, and bear with me, this depends on what your strategy is and, and how you're bidding and the structure of your campaigns. But if you if you triple your budget, your CPA will grow 30, 50%. Just because Facebook is going to take some time to relearn how to give you the results that you're looking for uh, at the price that you're looking for. For them having, for those brands that are scaling rapidly, having having a partner of some kind with with the Intel to tell them how to deploy that budget, I think that that's been that's been very valuable if you were asking me for something beyond the lot the the you know uh the logical problems of of scaling your supply chain. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and that's that's really helpful to know over there. Well, in terms of questions, I think I'm all out over here. I think we covered a lot of good tips, good actionable insights. So Nicholas, thank you again for joining the podcast. We really appreciate having you on here. And before we do go, if you could share where people can learn a little bit more about Wayflyer. Absolutely. Any e-commerce founder can go to wayflyer.com and uh, start open an account, uh, link your sources, your Shopify, your Google ads, your Facebook ads, and your Google analytics and apply um, for funding. And it usually takes us 24 hours to come up with a with a number of offers for them that we can have uh, to them within the next day. So a uh, very, very cool way for e-commerce founders that are growing rapidly or that feel like they're leaving growth on the table through, I guess, you know, peak e-commerce growth times to, to get funded. Again, that's wayflyer.com. And if you want to find me, you can go to LinkedIn and look up Nicholas Derrico. And uh, that's where I am. And I'm always happy to help uh, founders with, you know, uh, either either funding through Wayflyer or just tactical advice. Reach out to me at any time and I'll give you a hand. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicholas. We appreciate you having, having you on here. And thanks for everyone that's listening. And we'll see you next time on the DTC pod.